This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. Welcome to Anti-Purgatory, which is a long-term holding pen for the real hard cases this side of hell, such as the unshriven, those who refused confess their sins before death, and who must now serve a lifetime in anti-purgatory before entering purgatory proper. The unshriven and two other categories of late repenters, the lazy and the distracted, occupy the top of anti-purgatory's two levels. Below them, on the island floor, are the worst of the unrepentant, the excommunicated, They must wait the longest before entering purgatory, up to 30 lifetimes. Anytime a living person prays for an inmate, it shortens their sentence. My purpose is not to read Canto VI as a religious doctrine about repentance and divine forgiveness, nor as a theological debate over the efficacy of prayer. Rather, I wish to read Canto VI as a polemic against rotten governance, which, for me, is what makes Canto VI special, especially in how metaphor carries the argument. Although Dante borrowed these metaphors from antiquity, he gave them his own twist. For example, in line 74, using a metaphor from Aristophanes, Dante describes Italy as a ship without a pilot in a fierce tempest. In recasting the metaphor, Dante revitalized it, keeping it alive on the world stage. It resurfaces in American politics, for example, such as the 1861 anti-slavery speech that Wendell Phillips gave in Boston just three months before the Civil War broke out. He warned that the U.S. was becoming disunited saying, after drifting a dreary night of 30 years before the hurricane, our ship of state is going to pieces on the lee shore of slavery. Lee shore means toward the wind. And in 2005, in his second inaugural address, George Bush truncated and echoed the same metaphor when he uttered the phrase shipwreck of communism. To better grasp my concluding examples, I will put them in narrative context by saying a few words about anti-purgatory, which Dante invented, building on earlier ideas of purgatory. Topographically, a dizzying cliff separates anti-purgatory from purgatory's entrance, Peter's Gate, on the first terrace. The Isle of Purgatory was formed by the towering spray of dirt and rock, Lucifer spewed up as he crashed through the earth, creating the void of hell. Purgatory lies in the same treacherous seas that shipwrecked brave Ulysses. On the globe, Purgatory is opposite Jerusalem. Noon in Jerusalem is midnight in Purgatory. Mount Purgatory rises far above the stratosphere, 
beyond rain, wind, and snow. It has a terrace for each of the seven deadly sins. Pride, envy, wrath, sloth, greed, gluttony, and at the very top, lust. Each sin must be purged in turn before the sinner is allowed to climb to the next terrace. The burden of guilt makes the climb even tougher. Dante and his guide, Virgil, fresh out of hell, reach Purgatory's shores at dawn on Easter Sunday. By afternoon, when Canto VI opens, Dante and Virgil have climbed to anti-Purgatory's last tier. Because climbing after dark is impossible, they're in a hurry to reach Purgatory's gate. What's the shortest way up? They ask one of the unshriven, a troubadour called Sordello, now world famous, who lived in Dante's time and vanished from history in 1269. Sordello warms to Virgil and begins to lament the endless civil wars that have plagued their home city of Mantua. This triggers Dante's diatribe. I will now discuss three connected stanzas that rework and extend Plato's chariot driver metaphor. The first stanza begins on line 88. If there is no one in your saddle, what good was it Justinian repaired your harness? Your shame would be less great had he not done so. When Rome prospered, citizen and emperor were like horse and rider, the skillful charioteer reigning in lawlessness. But Dante's Italy has no rider, wasting Justinian's handiwork, which refers to the emperor's codification of Roman law under his rule of Constantinople from 527 to 565, a monumental achievement that influenced modern law. The second stanza starts on line 91. Oh, you who should be firm in your devotion and let Caesar occupy the saddle, if you but heeded what God writes for you. Here Dante is alluding to two popes, Boniface VIII and Clement V. By lack of firmness and devotion, Dante means that instead of minding their own business, church business, they meddled in imperial politics with disastrous results. This train of thought continues in my last example, which begins on line 94. See how vicious is the beast not goaded and corrected by the spurs ever since you took the bridle in your hands. Papal meddling made such a mess of things that Italy, bereft of a Julius Caesar, is now engulfed in regional tyranny and the intercity wars that concern Canto VI. The stanzas I quoted show that political philosophy may be expressed in poetry as well or better than in prose. In just nine lines, Dante says more about the essence of factionalism and failed states and says it better than could an entire library of political analysis and theory. Dante's truths about strong and righteous leadership are universal, as true today as in his day. Conditions in Afghanistan, 
Iraq, and even the USA attested this. Thank you. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Tory Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.